And once you go outside, it's automatically a multi-sensory environment, which does help everybody learn. It's also more concrete. Hi, I'm Alana Gallo. I'm a teacher, a mom to four, and the founder of Play, Learn, Thrive. Join me as I chat with real parents and experts as we explore all things play and child development. It's time to take the focus away from you and put the responsibility of playtime back into your kiddos' hands. So if you're tired of planning, leading, and facilitating play sessions, you've found the right place. Each week, we'll explore the importance of play and how it supports child development, along with simple ways to incorporate play in a purposeful way, so you can raise confident, self-motivated kids who enjoy playing independently. Hey guys, it's Alana here from Play, Learn, Thrive. And here today on the show, I have Rachel, who is the founder of an outdoor learning curriculum called Wild Learning. And I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about her background. Hi, so I'm Rachel Tidd, and I'm the founder of Wild Learning, which is made up of wild reading and wild math curriculums. I uh, used to be a public school special ed teacher, elementary level, and once I had kids, my oldest was in preschool. We went to an all-outdoor forest preschool, and he absolutely thrived, and my younger one also went to the same preschool, and absolutely thrived for completely different reasons. He had a lot of sensory issues that all seemed to be met by this outdoor environment. We were already homeschooling my oldest at the time. So we, I knew that if I was going to be successful homeschooling his younger brother, that I should really try to integrate some of this outdoor learning. And so I started experimenting, particularly with math, I had like done a lot of research. I couldn't find any existing curriculum other than a few lessons. And so I just started experimenting with my son's like kindergarten, pre-K type age. And a friend suggested that I needed to write this down to share with other people. And I was like, no, 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 I don't need to do that. And she's like, no, you really need to. And so I, I did write it down, obviously. And that became what is known as wild math, which is an all outdoor nature-based math curriculum. And this year I extended it to wild reading. So I'm very thankful to that friend who encouraged me to write it down. (laughs) And that's kind of how we got started. That's awesome. So I love that you said that both of your two things I picked up on. One was just the idea that both of your kids, like your your two kids that you were talking about were different and how they both thrived in the same environment, but that they were so different. And I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that, like, especially coming from your background with special education, understanding that piece of it, how kids, especially with different learning needs, benefit from being outdoors and like why that is and what that looks like. Right. So yeah, both of my kids are really, really different. My oldest is really advanced and read really young. He was like three. He could read like frog and toad. That was why we started homeschooling him. And But he was extremely shy at the time. And so when he started forest preschool, it really, and he had been to another preschool beforehand, but then we moved. And once he started for his preschool, it really helped him become more confident. And he started sharing in the group. And he felt like he felt like just so confident of his new skills and comfortable in the environment. And it, it was just amazing how it like opened him up. My younger son had, as I said, all these sensory issues. He was a sensory seeker. 
So suddenly he was in an environment where it was okay to cover himself in mud, to jump from things, to bounce on logs, to climb trees, play on ice. So that really catered. It accommodated those needs without just naturally by being outside. And we know that there's been a lot of studies on outdoor learning and how it, for all students, it increases attention, it increases engagement, increases mental health, like the mental health benefits are really huge. Even if you only do one lesson outside, like if you were like a teacher in a school or if you took your kids outside, those benefits all can translate over to the next lesson. So it's kind of like a lasting effect, which I think is really cool. And once you go outside, it's automatically a multi-sensory environment, which does help everybody learn. It's also more concrete. So it's kind of like a one thing we can do that really gets a lot of bang for our buck, you know? Yeah, no, I love that. And it's interesting you say I, so my oldest is definitely more of a, a sensory seeker and he he needs a lot of that. And so he thrives outside as well. And so from your perspective, it's, I like that you said that, you know, especially for people who are listening, who aren't necessarily as familiar with those different kinds of needs or just, just education, you know, how education and how learning works and kids kind of thing. And teachers who are going back to school this year, especially now with everything going on and knowing that even just a small amount of time outside can benefit kids. I think that's like an important thing for people to take away because, you know, I think sometimes it's, you know, a lot of the times it feels very all or nothing. Right. It's important, I guess, just to reiterate that it's, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, right? Like even if you're not homeschooling or even if you're you know, you can't be outside all the time. Like you could still benefit, like kids can still benefit from, from this, right? Absolutely. I mean, anything is better than nothing and it doesn't even have to be that complicated. I mean, the study that I'm referring to, they literally took the same lesson that they were going to do and they just did it outside. They didn't do anything extra. They didn't plan some elaborate outdoor lesson. Um, They literally did the same lesson in a different location and they still saw benefit and they saw the lasting benefit. So even if you just took your kids outside and read the book you were going to read, that would give you the same benefit. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. And just another thing I was thinking, like, because I've had a lot of conversations with parents and with teachers and in my area, you know, I was a public school teacher. I recently resigned. And a lot of the times like budget is an issue, right? Like for most, especially public schools. Mm -hmm. And so it's good to know, I guess. And even for parents too, who I think we always feel like, oh, we have to buy this or we have to do this next best thing or, you know, buy this specific toy or, or whatever. Right. And I guess what I'm hearing from you, and I know that I've definitely read this research as well, that it's like, you don't really need to do that. It's literally as simple as being outside. And like you said, having your lunch outside or like anything that you can do to get outside versus being in a four walled space. Like, you know, you don't have to overthink it, which I love. What are some things can you give? I would love some examples of like really simple things that parents can do, maybe pulling from your curriculum, just kind of some 
basics that they could do outside? Like what are some things, I don't obviously don't want you to give away everything that's in your majoring curriculum, but maybe some, a few like reading things and a few math things that I think that could benefit parents who are, who kind of have that early childhood, like maybe, you know, five, six, seven, eight, like, you know, start of elementary school aged kiddo who are either trying to supplement because of everything, you know, people are kind of like, are we doing distance learning? Like, you know, just stuff going on at school is probably not necessarily as, as good as it would be like in a normal year. So this might be something that they could do at home. Yeah. So the first thing I always say is natural materials. They're free. They're out there. They're going to vary a bit depending where you live. Where I live, it's acorns and pine cones and rocks. Um, And these make fantastic math manipulatives. So you can practice counting, adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, all of these things, and you don't have to buy anything extra. Seashells also work really well. You know, it's in kids naturally pick these things up. I love to use Sharpies on leaves, especially this time of year, to write sight words or word families or addition facts. And you can use them in all different ways. You can make, you know, flowers out of them. If if each leaf was the petal and like you want it all, they have to kind of put like all the facts that add to 10 into one flower. It's just super easy things like that that don't cost anything. Most of us already have a Sharpie at home. The other thing I love is sidewalk chalk. It's cheap and you can use it in a hundred million ways. Even if you don't have a lot of like paved surfaces, I live out in the country and we don't have a lot of paved surfaces, but we do have like a deck and we have the side of our house and we have rocks. So we often write on those with chalk. You can do addition, you can do writing, handwriting, spelling. I mean, it's just endless what you can do with chalk. I like writing number lines with chalk. The other thing I like to do is walk around, like take either a nature walk or even walking through a town and looking for certain shapes or all the numbers that are in the hundreds or all the decimals, etc. There's just, it's just kind of really endless and how you can integrate it in your daily life and just uh, trying to integrate a little more math or reading. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. And thinking about the fact that kids naturally gravitate towards these things, like I, I think every parent can probably relate to that, you know, you're outside and your kid is picking up like pebbles or like whatever they find on the floor, you know, you're hoping that it's like natural materials and not, you know, bottle caps or whatever else, but they really do gravitate towards those kinds of things. And I wonder well, I always wonder why, and I know I've read about that a little bit, but I would love to dig more into that. Like why, why kids are so drawn towards these like loose, like natural loose parts that we find out in the world. I don't know. Right. Like, is that? I don't know. I mean, I wonder if it's kids, they're naturally programmed to understand a lot of math concepts and things. So I wonder if they're like drawn to the sorting and the counting and the like organizing like you can't help yourself, right? Like when you're collecting yeah. things and it's like in our innate, you know, hunter gatherer, right? To gather things. So I wonder yeah, if that's, that's part true. of it. Yes, that has to be part of it. And that's what's so interesting to me about this is like children are so naturally 
driven to learn, right? And to right. Add, like parents are always like, oh, you know, my kid is like they, you know, it's like you, they go through that phase where they don't stop asking questions, and yeah, it's almost comical because you're like, oh my god, just please stop talking, right? But yes. then they're like, oh wow, this is crazy how they just if you think about it, like if you try to flip it to like more of a positive, you know, which is always a good thing to do is like, they want to know everything, right? right. Like they're so curious and they're just asking questions about everything under the sun and it's not to like annoy you, right? It's right because they're just, that's how they're built and that's how they're naturally learning. And I wonder, do you find that allowing or sort of having the outdoor space encourages that curiosity more than what you would see, say, in like a, if you were inside the house kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, it definitely can. I mean, it's not going to be like inspiring you to learn about, I don't know, like some really abstract thing that you might only learn in print, but we're like, yeah, like, you know, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends. If you went on a field trip, that could absolutely happen. It totally does. They're interested in the world around them. It's concrete and in front of them. They can't, you know, kids can't help but like, like you said, ask questions and wonder. And when you put them in an environment that is super stimulating and full of wonder, right? There's so, you know, you see a grasshopper and it's like really cool and they instantly want to know more about it. Or, you know, like a butterfly goes by or anything. It can be anything, especially when you start looking really closely. Yeah. You can go pretty deep. Um, And I definitely see kids more curious when they're outside. Or they're just naturally working with those, collecting those natural materials. And then they're using those in their play. Yeah. To make their own things. Yeah, to me, yeah, we love like loose parts. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's like one of the most underrated toys out there, right? Yeah, it really is. They're just so naturally. People think I'm crazy, but I'm like, no, really. <laughs> I promise you, your kids will play with these like more than anything else. Yep. And it's interesting because I think, especially again, going back to like parents who are kind of in this more traditional mindset, you know, with kids going to public school because that's kind of what the vast majority of people do for better or for worse. And so knowing that getting kids outside, so even like if they go to school, they're in school, you know, most kids only have a little bit of recess time during the day when they're outside. So, you know, getting them outside when they come home and I don't want to say supplement, but you know, there's enrichment, like instead of signing up for all these different enrichment classes, it's like, let them go outside and just meet them where they are. So I love you talked about like they see a grasshopper, right? And I I just see kids like they see the grasshopper and then they're like, I wonder why the grasshopper hops. And then, you know, you go and you look it up and then what's their habitat and what do they eat? And why do they like, you know, how do they, how long is their lifespan? And, and there's just so many things that naturally can come up that are just, you know, a very easy conversation and, not the sense that you have to know everything because right. you don't. And I think that's kind of the point, right? It's like you see something and you wonder about it. And then if you don't know the answer, it's, you know, modeling, not knowing the answer is an amazing learning opportunity for kids as well. Like to go and and look something up or, you know, look up the bigger concept, right? Like, Oh, for um, sure. Sharing that wonder, you know, that, wow, I don't know. I wonder... I wonder why. Let's figure it out together. I think that's 
so powerful for kids. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things I always say that was lacking in a lot of my students um, at the high school level where I was, because I think from a younger age, kids are kind of like driven out of that, if that makes sense, because it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, like when you're in like a, a bigger school or just in general in life when we're busy and we're, you know, we don't necessarily like stop to wonder as much when we get older. And so um, kind of getting us back to that, I guess, and making that a part of what we do on a daily basis, like stop and smell the roses kind of thing. Right. Um, because it is true. It's like we want our children right, to be learners. And that looks like asking questions and stopping to think about something and, and being okay with not knowing, right. And like looking something up. Right. Yeah. I I feel like even just going outside to play has so many benefits, especially when they've been inside for the most part for the day. I mean, there's a lot of studies about how it improves vision, that there's nothing better than looking in the distance and natural light to improve your vision. Um, That's why we see a lot of kids with glasses more so than in the past, you know, and just moving their body. They're saying, they say, you know, kids in the elementary age need at least two hours outside um, a day, which is hard. It is hard, especially in the winter. It gets dark here at like 430, but yeah. Yeah, no. And it's, it's interesting. I know that I've talked to a few people, including Angela Hanscomb. I don't know if you, yes, yes. you've heard of her. She wrote the book Balanced and Barefoot. It's just talking about how kids, like I hate the saying kids these days, but mm-hmm. it's like kids these days, you know, having a really hard time, like not being able to sit in a chair, like falling out of their chairs right. because they literally don't have the core strength to sit Right. In a seat because they have not been moving their bodies in a way that's natural. That's like building their natural body strength, which is just, I mean, it's just really crazy to think about parent, you know, and I think parents don't, obviously that's not something that you're necessarily thinking about unless you know about it. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and yeah, it's all that kind of play and gross motor and some fine motor that they get when they're outside, they're playing on the playground or they're playing out in the woods or wherever, and even in the street, they're jump roping or whatever. That's building all those key skills that they need in the classroom to write, to sit in their chair. I mean, really basic things that you don't think about. You're right. Yeah. And like monkey bars, like that's one of my biggest things. I'm like, do the monkey bars every day because it's like strengthening their hands. And I think it's unfortunate almost that I feel like there needs to be more education. Well, and of course, that's kind of what I'm trying to do with my business, right? Right. Like more education from pediatricians, from, you know, from birth, like, so parents understand the importance of that, because I think we've gotten really far away from that in our society. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. I don't know if you're familiar with Katie Bauman. She uh, is like a biomechanist and she researched a lot about movement and she's done a lot of things with adults, but she recently came out with a book called Go Wild. And it's all about how movement starved our kids are, even just from our generation. Like they're, they're like, we were movement starved mm-hmm. and they're even worse. Um, and think she has a lot of ideas about how to get more movement into your 
family life and like schools too. Yeah. What's her, her, your, your name? I'm literally on Amazon right now. Go yeah. Wild. It's Katie, Katie Bauman. And she wrote, I think go wild. I reviewed her book. It was fantastic. I was, I'm a big Katie Bauman fan anyway. And she asked me to review her book. So that was really exciting, but it was, it's fabulous. It really makes you kind of rethink things. Yeah. And she talks a lot about going outside and she has some really practical ways that you can integrate more movement. It's kind of like the next step younger kids. Yeah, no, I love that. That's great. I'm literally going to add to my Amazon list. It's funny because I feel like with every guest I have on here, they always bring up like something like this, like a book or like, and then I Amazon like, oh, I need this right away. And it's like the worst habit I have because I just feel like sometimes I'm like, I don't really need that. (laughs) But, But anyways, no, that's so awesome. And so how old are your children now? So my oldest is 11 and my youngest is eight. So they're eight and 11. Okay. Awesome. And you have felt like, and that's another thing. So I know, you know, homeschooling is one of those things where people, it's kind of, I feel like people have a love or hate relationship with the idea, even if they've never done it. Right. Like, right. And can you talk just a little bit about that? I know that that's not necessarily, it's not necessarily something that probably a good portion of people, at least in the US, because I think that homeschooling isn't really something that most people do. At least, I I don't know if there's like, I'm sure there's statistics about the percentage of people, but I feel like it's, and maybe it's growing just with everything going on, but I would love for you. And I'm like a public school teacher who's a big, big believer of like homeschooling or micro schools and kind of going against the grain in that sense. So I, I feel like I fall into like a little bit of a a different category because I do see such a benefit in terms of being able to follow the child and really do like much more student driven learning experiences, holistic learning. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. Like, I think there's this misconception about homeschooling and what it looks like, like school at home. And if you could just kind of maybe talk a little bit about that for a few minutes, I think. Sure. So homeschooling is definitely growing. It was growing before the pandemic, particularly among people, you know, in the eighties, it was most, a lot of very religious people chose to homeschool, especially in the last 10, 15 years, it's really been growing among people that want an alternative to the traditional public school for whatever reason. It could be they don't like the testing-oriented culture of our schools now, you know, with the No Child Left Behind Act. That was a big spur for a lot of people. Maybe their child doesn't fit the middle. You know, our schools teach to the middle. Or, you know, they're looking for something different, whatever that may, may be. Yeah, people think, have this idea that's homeschooling. And, and, and I must say, I will say that what we did last year, what we all did last year was not homeschooling. Not yeah. That was crisis schooling. Yeah, that, that was, was nothing like anything I've ever experienced. And yeah. my child is 11 and we've been homeschooling since the beginning. So other than yeah. school. So yeah, that was like nothing. So that was not homeschooling. If that's that was survival. Your, yeah. That was survival. And yes. So yeah, it's not, I mean, for some people it is they recreate school at home. That to me is not what you should be doing at home because at home you're so much more flexibility. 
I like to focus on the basics on a daily basis, like the math, the reading, and the writing. And then everything else is interest-led or we take a ton of classes and a ton of programs. The idea that homeschoolers are home is always makes me laugh because if it's not a pandemic, we're never home. Yeah. Like it's hard to actually get in like the basics, like time for just that because we're, you know, in a book club. We then we go to Spanish. We're in outdoor nature programs for like a whole day. I say we. I don't go to that. (laughs) My kids kids go to that. Um, (laughs) Which is another thing that's amazing about homeschooling. Like I think people think, and this is a misconception that I definitely had, like part of what holds me back from homeschooling is just, well, first of all, I'm like, I'm scaling this business right now, which is like taking over my life. But just the fact that like, oh my God. And I, as please. I love my children. Like whoever is listening to this, believe me, I love my children <laughs> to the ends of the world, but oh my God, get them out of my house. Like, I just feel like I'm like, oh my God, I could not have my kids all home all day. But then I think like, you're right. When it's not a pandemic, there are drop, you know, drop off like right. forest school programs for half day or like all full these day. classes. Like, yeah. You're like full day, do the full day. Full day. Yeah. <laughs> you, yes. Well, and that's like the, you know, a lot of my relatives or whatever. And when they were very young, when I, you know, and I had a kindergartner and a three-year-old or a two-year-old, you know, we were home a little bit more, but once they get into that actual homeschool age, I mean, it does depend on where you live, but we're very fortunate. We have a ton of things to choose from, but yeah, you know, and there's nothing saying that you can't hire a babysitter during the week. There's nothing wrong with that. When you're homeschooling, there's not a real difference between the weekend and the weekdays. So if you chose to do some school, there was, you know, a challenging time when my youngest made it very difficult to sit down with my oldest and and even just do the basics. I know, ironic, right? (laughs) So I often, (laughs) for a while, we (laughs) would do some of those things on the weekend when my husband could, we could tag team, you know what I mean? Where I could sit with one and he could sit with one and we could like, you know, bang that out really relatively quickly, right? Without interfering. But it does, that phase didn't last forever. Yeah, um, that's so true. Really, and I always say yeah. I like I'm the I feel like I once my kids are through the elementary age, I feel like that's when I would want to start homeschooling because that's kind of my where I was teaching was like that middle school, high school level. Right. So I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. There's just so many awesome things that we could do and really, really student led, like where yes. they're really you know, they're almost making up their own curriculum and they're oh, yeah. you know, we definitely hit that point with my oldest. Yeah at 11. I mean, it's insane. And we love to travel. You can travel, you can go on as many field trips as you want. My youngest learns really well. He has some learning disabilities, but when he can actually like visit, like we were just in Maine and we visited Fort Popham, which is like a civil war era fort. And he just absorbed absolutely everything about the sport because we went there. It wasn't anything like that. Like it's shining. There was no interpreters. There was no, it was just being in being the- there and reading the interpreter signs and seeing it and touching it and walking it around. Yeah. He just learned so much and you have the power to do as much of that 
or as little, depending on your children, as they, that you want. You know, you can spend a whole day on a field trip. You can. We often organize them with friends and go as a group, and it's it's so great that you can do that. I know the schools that I worked at, we either got one field trip a year or none. Yeah. Um, now, I, I don't think they're doing, I don't think they're right. doing anything like right. that. Right. So. I mean, I had kids, we live in New York State where the Erie Canal is, the famous Erie Canal. And the school I worked at literally lived like, we were like only a few miles from the Erie Canal, but we couldn't go visit it. That's crazy. I know because they couldn't pay the bus driver or something. The PTA would pay for the bus, but yeah. there was like a law or something that we couldn't pay That's for the bus issue. driver. It was ridiculous. Like ridiculous. That's so crazy to me. But I know. It, I mean, as a public school teacher, I know that that's exactly how it is. It's that's just, how it, it all is. boils down to money and time. And, yeah. you know, when you have to meet certain deadlines for tests and things like that, it's just, right. you just can't, you can't do the things that you know you want to do, which is part of the reason why I just was like, I, can't, I don't think I can keep doing this because right. it just went against, it started to go against like everything that I knew about learning and about how kids would be learning. And it was just this like feeling of I'm going in to do this job. And like, I know that I'm not doing what is best for kids. Right. It's just not feasible. And then that just eats at you. And so now I'm hoping that I can, you know, make more of a difference in terms of like working with the parents and kind of, and doing that and just teaching, but just in a different way. The other thing you can do is if you're worried about a lot of people worry like, oh, I could never teach X, Y, and Z subjects. But you don't have to. You can enroll your kids in classes. You can do my child is like really into physics Mm -hmm. and he's now beyond my physics (laughs) knowledge. I realized the other day. I can't teach that. Yeah. I mean, I took college physics. I was a chemistry major, but he is well beyond like he asks questions and I can't answer them and I'm just Googling them and I'm like, okay, we're we're beyond. (laughs) So I contacted the local, we have a couple I live in Ithaca. We have Cornell and Ithaca College. And I contacted the Ithaca College Physics Department and I said, because they have an education school, I'm like, do you have any students that might be interested in a tutoring job to teach my child like high school physics? And they totally did and hooked me up. And so now he meets once a week with like, you know, a young man who's like a total mentor who's also into physics, obviously is a physics major. And it's just so powerful. Like, so I couldn't teach that anymore, but, um, I can farm that out, you know, you don't have to, there's so many resources out there in the world. It's kind of amazing when you start looking around. I love that. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that. And we also, you know, I hate to say it, but there's, Online things too, we have taken advantage of. I don't like online classes, but occasionally things like he likes that Arduino, which is like electronics programming with like a breadboard. I hardly know, honestly. (laughs) You're like, okay, sign up for it. Well, yeah, yeah, you get the kit. I mean, I know, but I don't understand it completely. And there wasn't really anything about it locally, especially right now, you know, with the whole pandemic. So, I signed him up for an online outschooling, you know, that website, outschooling. Yeah, outschooling, yeah. Outschool, yeah. And so I signed him up for a class via outschool. You just find, you know, he's interested in it. 
You just you plug in those, you just got to find those resources and it all just kind of happens naturally. And that's all science and technology. And, you know, he goes farther into the history and all kinds of things all on his own. Um, I don't have to push that, you know, it's, yeah. that wonder is not lost. That's so, so amazing. I love it. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up. Can you tell everybody where they can find uh, more about your curriculum? I know that you have a social media. I just share all of that so we can put sure. that in. So we're called Wild Learning and we have the Wild Math Curriculums K through 5 and Wild Reading, which is right now just at level one, which is like beginning readers. You can find us at discoverwildlearning.com. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook at Discover Wild Learning. And I share all about our homeschooling and I share ideas and examples. So if you're interested in integrating more of that after school or with your child, that's a great place to start. Awesome. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. You don't want to miss out, right? Woo-hoo. Hey, friend. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Play, Learn, Thrive show. I'm happy you stopped by for another week of learning with me. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. I so appreciate your feedback. I'd also love for you to join our community of over 20,000 parents on Instagram. You can find us at Play, Learn, Thrive Kids. 